2: No purchase necessary Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome listeners to time Four an awakening on black talk radio network. New media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4:6 six states. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. You can listen to the program streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. And you can listen to the program streaming live from the website. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and listen to the live stream there. Or you can download TuneIn to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. You can download it to your iPhone, your iPad, your desktop, your tablet, any of your devices. And in the uh, TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. You'll see the icon, and you can listen to the program streaming live there. You can even stream it into your car. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. That's timeforanawakening at Gmail dot com time for awakening also has a fan page on facebook in that facebook search engine just type in time for an awakening radio program there you always interesting content being posted daily and before you leave that page just hit that like button that's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on facebook also time for an awakening media has been launched you can put that in your address bar make that one of your favorites Time for an will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. There you'll see more interesting articles, blogs, podcasts of past programs that you can download, listen at later times, or share with your friends. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's Time for an will Take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. Tonight. We're scheduled to have a special guest join us to talk about an important topic that uh, we rarely talk about in an honest manner, the feminization of black men and assault on black manhood will be discussed tonight by author, professor, and scholar, Dr. Wesley Muhammad. We'll be back to get things started with our special guest. Hopefully, he'll be joining us by then after a brief word from our sponsors
3: Mr. Moderator our distinguished guests brothers and sisters our friends and and our enemies
4: (laughs) everybody is here
5: History
6: is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells a people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people For they still must go what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child.
1: From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com welcome back to time for an awakening and before we get started with our program this evening our co-host with us philadelphia activist tour guide at the african-american history museum here in philadelphia at seventh and arch brother richard is with us brother richard
3: yes sir how you doing brother elliot how are you sir uh, good good Seems like we have a good uh topic raised for this evening as far as in looking at a, another way that Africans are um, being um, shift um, possibly um, with um, real intent in mind.
1: You know, it's, it's going to be an interesting dialogue today with our guest, uh Dr. Wesley Muhammad, you know, Richard, on time for awakening, we discuss a lot of different topics and we always discuss it from a, uh, a black center, a black point of view. And in all of the topics we discuss, we always let our audience know what we're dealing with and who we've been dealing with since we've been here. Uh, Richard, as you well know, that the society we live in was created with the intention not to have black men walking around free in society. It was never created for that. It was created for white men by white men. They were smart enough and careful enough not to put it in the language of their constitution, but the intent was always there. You know, you've seen doing some of the early fathers of this country. It was always an issue talking about black people, even when our foreparents were enslaved in bondage. Uh, Jefferson came up. Well, with one of the ideas about the American colonization society that a lot of lawmakers at that time were on board with, but it didn't work. You know, leading up to Lincoln and presidents after that, there were always comments. And and uh, 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 and you could see that we were on the minds of some of the people in the highest forms of government dealing with the Negro problem. I'll use that term because that's what was used in those periods. Before we bring our guests on, I just want to lay the foundation and groundwork for what we've been dealing with. I want to read some quotes, and it won't take long, of some of the leaders of this country and what they felt in relation to the black population that was here. And I'm talking about from Lincoln to almost to modern times. We know the, the feelings and, and assertions of Reagan or Bush Nixon and those tapes. Johnson, he was a Dixiecrat and a racist. But I want to start from Lincoln, read some of his comments, and read various presidents from that point leading up to kind of give a groundwork to what we're dealing with. And these are from published reports, so you can do a little research and find some of these comments. Lincoln had views that if slaves were free, they should be expatriated. Even in the midst of war, he was making plans for colonization and appointed Reverend James Mitchell to be commissioner of immigration with instructions to find a place to which blacks could be sent. On August 14th, 1862, Lincoln invited a group of free black leaders to the White House to tell them there is an unwillingness on the part of our people, harsh as it may be, for you free colored people to remain with us. He urged them to encourage others of their race uh, to a colonization site in Central America. Lincoln was the first president to invite a delegation of blacks to the White House. He did so to ask them to leave the country. Later that year, in a message to Congress, he argued not just for voluntary colonization, but for forcible removal of blacks from the United States. James Garfield. The 20th president of the United States wrote, I have strong feelings of repugnance when I think of the Negro being made our political equal, and I would be glad if they could be colonized or gotten rid of in a decent way. Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president, wrote in 1901 that he had not been able to think out any solution for the terrible problem offered by the presence of the Negro on this continent. As for Indians, he once said, I don't go so far as to think that there is only one good Indian. But uh, we already, I don't want to read the comments about Indians. I'm going to stick with what he felt about the Negro presence in this country. Howard Taft, the 27 presidents, once told a group of college black students, your race is adapted to be a race of farmers and servants, first, last, and for all times. Woodrow Wilson. The 28th president was a confirmed segregationist and racist and was the president of Princeton when he refused to admit blacks. He enforced segregation in government offices and favored exclusion of Asians. We cannot have a population of people who would not blend with the Caucasian race. Warren Harding, the 29th president, wanted the races separate. Men of both races, black and white, may well stand uncompromised against every suggestion of social equality. This is not a question of social equality, but a question of recognizing a fundamental, internal, and escapable difference. Racial amalgamation there can never be. In nineteen twenty one, Vice President Calvin Coolidge, who later became the thirtieth president, wrote in Good Housekeeping about the basis for sound immigration policy. There are racial considerations are too grave to be breast-aside for any sentimental reasons. Biological laws tell us that certain divergent people will not mix or blend with us. Quality of mind, body suggests the observance of ethnic law is a great necessity to a nation that has immigration laws. Harry Truman, the 33rd president, wrote, I am strongly of the opinion that Negroes ought to be in Africa, yellow men in Asia, and white men in Europe and America. He also referred to blacks on the White House staff as his army of coons. As recent as President Dwight Eisenhower, I'm sorry, Dwight Eisenhower, the 34th president, argued that although it might be necessary to grant blacks certain political rights, this does not mean social equality, nor that the Negro should court my daughter. So we see the mindset Of the people that we've always been among And these are people in the highest offices Of this country It was those efforts that those men Talked about back then failed But it was still Necessary for white men To control the black Population of this country They did it through three ways In my estimation Through religion And the way we perceive it our status in society, by the use of laws to control our movements, and by behavior, by the use of mass media, especially in the 20th century, by the use of music, and by the use of other more devious forms. Tonight, with our guests, we're going to talk about the more devious forms. Our special guest with us tonight author, professor, and scholar Dr. Wesley Muhammad is joining us The Feminization of Black Men and Assault on Black Manhood is the topic. Dr. Muhammad.
7: How are you Brother Elliot?
1: <laughs> How are you sir?
7: I'm, well, you. I'm well, I'm well. Thank
1: good. you for that riveting and informative
8: opening and ground lane for our discussion.
1: Well, I, you know what and I'm, I'm glad to have you join us. Brother Richard is with us also.
3: How you doing? You. Bro- how you doing? Well,
1: I'm well, thank you, Dr. Muhammad. You know, I, I, we talk about these subjects a lot and not particularly this subject, but subjects that pertain to our people here on time for an awakening. But we always let the people know what we be, what would be what we've been up against in this country. Um, and that's why I kind of read some of those comments by some of the leaders these are not no, uh, the yahoos and the people in the backwoods. These are some of the leaders right. of this country that made statements right. about our people and how they never wanted them here. You're talking tonight about a subject that's very important that a lot right. of our people don't talk about. It's almost like the elephant in the room that's not discussed because so. the, the uh, feminization of black men and effeminate males and masculine females or in all of our families, they are brothers, sisters, sometimes mothers and fathers, extended family. So we feel offended, yes, and these, you know, when when these things are talked about. But it's necessary to talk about these things because, just as we state when our program starts, that our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We need to know what's been going on in this country, the things that have been thought about and devised against our people. I, I want yeah. you tonight to take your time, go through some of your assertions about what we're dealing with. And uh, and, and let's talk about this subject. Dr. Muhammad, I read across, yeah. ran across the article in the final call. And uh, I reached out to you because I, I knew it was important. But talk about the genesis of that article. What made you uh, take your time to research this particular subject and bring these things forth in the manner that you did. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Elliott. Um, well, first, allow me to frame
8: my response with a another salute to your opening. That's very relevant, laying out the perspective on the Negro problem from the highest levels of government, the president. The reason that is important, the feminizing plots that we will unpack today, it's important that we understand that they, too, emanate from the highest forms of government. The architecture to the assault on the black man, black manhood, and black masculinity. It's not architecture that was erected by low life crackers and some backwoods with hoods on. The architecture was erected by, and the assault is exec- planned and executed by those same high levels of government that you enumerated. So that's important. You laid out the sentiment of the highest form of this government, the highest circles of this government for the Negroes in their midst. And I, too, am using that terminology, not because we self-identify as Negroes, but because in the mind of the dominant males in this society, they are still wrestling with what, in their mind, is yet the Negro problem. Mm-hmm. So the genesis of the article was a lecture that we gave at Mas Mariam, the headquarters of the Nation of Islam in Chicago. And that lecture was entitled, The Chemical Feminization of the Black Man, Prove that Farrakhan Is right Now the lecture came out Actually of the book That we recently published By the title Understanding the Assault On the Black Man, Black Manhood And Black
1: Masculinity
8: So that's the context Of of that article in the final call
1: Dr. Mohammed. The attack on the black man Is totally by design From what you uh state in your findings but the intended target uh they wanted to be totally ignorant of the conspiracy talk about the effemination uh, the feminization of the black men because and and our women will be mixed into this conversation but talk about the The masculinization of the black woman yes the other side of that coin yes sir but talk about how Mm -hmm. these things the genesis of it what made them start coming up with plans to do this and some of the plans that were erected and put forth. Yes. Yes, sir.
8: There are T two key watershed moments, if you will, for this current bag of plot against black masculinity Two watershed moments. The first was, 1965, 1967, and 1968. Okay. That is when um, this country experienced its urban rebellions. Watts blew up in 1965. Detroit blew up in 1967. And then following the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968, 100 cities blew up. This shook the government. It sent terror into the heart of government officials specifically for the inner city black male. From that point on, from 1965 on, as a result of these urban rebellions, the inner city black male was the target of governmental covert operations of suppression. The inner city black male from that day to this has been public enemy number one to this government. So the Negro problem, broadly defined, became specifically an inner city black male problem. And the government enacted or planned and executed a whole and invested hundreds of millions of dollars and covert plans to deal with the inner-city black male. So that was the first watershed moment. The second was in 1980. Beginning in 1980, a group of scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, initiated a research paradigm called sociopharmacology. Social pharmacology is the study of how drugs affected not only different population groups with different biological profiles, but this study of sociopharmacology, pharmacology—pharmacology referring to drugs—this study of social pharmacology had a broader aim. The broader aim was studying how to preserve the current dominant hierarchy. Brother Elliot, you mentioned the white males of this society. The scientists at UCLA in the 80s studied how the current dominant males, i.e. white males, why they are dominant. Why and how they are dominant? What is it about the current dominant male group that makes them dominant? Is it something in their genetics? Is there something in their biochemistry? Is it something in their set of behaviors? What is it about non-dominant males that keeps them subordinate? Is it something in their genetics? Is there something in their biochemistry? Is it something in their behaviors? The point of this study of dominant hierarchy was to preserve the dominant hierarchy. This was a scientific study on how to keep white, how to scientifically keep white males as the dominant male group and black males as the subordinate male group. A whole bunch of study, a whole bunch of research went into the study of dominant hierarchy. And they outline protocols. They determine the biochemical, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. They determine, they discovered the biochemical basis of dominance and subordination. They were able to map a biochemical profile of a dominant male and the biochemical profile, not genetic a biochemical profile of a dominant male and a biochemical profile of a subordinate male for example the biochemical profile of a dominant male has high serotonin serotonin is an important brain chemical biochemical biotransmitter a dominant male His biochemistry is high on brain serotonin and and whole body serotonin. A non-dominant male has low serotonin. A dominant male has high testosterone and low cortisol. A subordinate or non-dominant male has low testosterone and high cortisol. They mapped out the biochemical profiles that facilitated dominance acquisition and the biochemical profiles that perpetuated subordination. And then they mastered how to manipulate biochemistry. They have mastered methods and enacted protocols on how to manipulate biochemistry to keep dominant the dominant male group dominant, in the subordinate mayor group, i.e. black men subordinate.
1: Dr. Muhammad, tell our listening audience about the government-funded program called the Violence Prevention Initiative that was run yes. by the uh, appointed physician, Dr. Frederick Goodwin. I think yes. it was in the early 90s. Talk about that yes. and their aim with that violence prevention initiative or so-called aim.
7: Yes.
8: There were two phases of the violence prevention initiative. Dr. Frederick Goodwin oversaw the second phase of it. The first phase was directly the result of and response to that first watershed moment that I described, the early rebellions of the late 60s. The government wanted to know how to prevent such urban uprisings from occurring again. A group of Harvard scientists published funded by the US government said that the problem of the urban uprisings, the problem of the inner city black males, the reason they revolted is not because the black community is deprived socially, politically, and economically but because the inner city black males at the root of the rebellions had a brain disorder. They needed to be mind fixed. This was the problem. And so the violence initiative program, the first one of the US government, which the US government earmarked one million plus dollars toward in nineteen seventy two. The problem, the solution to the inner city black male with his brain disorder that caused him to uprise in the city, the solution was psychosurgery. Now, in 1972, psychosurgery was literally bringing black adolescents into a doctor's office, and that black adolescent, his brain is, mutilated by sticking an ice pick through his eye lobes, mutilating brain tissue. This had a, this produced a zombie-like state. This psych, this program of psychosurgery was the first, under the first violence initiative program, was the first proffered solution to the problem, no longer just a general Negro problem, but the problem of the inner city black male. The first solution under the first phase of the Violence Initiative Program was to do physical psychosurgery. So centers all over the country were proposed to be set up in the cities around the country where black adolescents, black males would be marshaled and they would undergo the psychosurgery. What happened is that the first center of such psychosurgery under the first phase of the violence prevention initiative was to be established in California. Under Governor Ronald Reagan, President Richard Nixon, President Richard Nixon allotted one million dollars to the pilot program in California. Governor Ronald Reagan promised one million dollars. It was put under the jurisdiction of Dr. Lewis Jolly West, who was a CIA doctor, very important. But an outcry, the public got word of it. There was an outcry, a national outcry. So the first violence in program was ostensibly or supposedly shut down. But Brother Elliot. it wasn't shut down. All of the fuss was over this ice picking, understandably so, this ice picking of young black boys' brain. So the protest was against psychosurgery under the second violence initiative program oversaw by Dr. Frederick Goodman, who was director of the National Institute of Mental Health. During the Bush administration now, the Bush administration allocated $400 million to the second phase, the violence initiative program the difference between the first phase and the second phase is while the psychosurgery proposed during the first phase was was with literal physical ice picks the psychosurgery proposed in during the second phase was with chemical ice picks. select chemicals were designated to Manipulate the biochemistry of the inner city black male and get them under control. And the, all of this coming out of that research paradigm of the 80s in California of sociopharmacology and dominance hierarchy. They had mastered the biochemical manipulation of humans and they have, they had a select battery of chemicals or drugs that achieved the desired end of neutering the inner-city black male. By neutering the inner-city black male, we mean feminizing him. A feminized black male is tolerable and preferable to the current dominant hierarchy. The current dominant male groups, white males, are happy with A feminized black male Because a feminized black male Will never challenge The current dominance hierarchy So neutering An inner city black male Chemically was the aim Of the second phase Of the violence initiative program Under Dr. Frederick Goodwin And to close this point The proof of it we have So your listeners do not assume that we are wild-eyed speculating, we have a document released by the Freedom of Information Act that the Goodwin's National Institute of Mental Health specifically stated in relation to the Violence Prevention Initiative that the drug to be used on these inner-city black males is depot provera Sifo-Provera today is known as a female contraceptive, or female birth control. But before it was released to the public as a female contraceptive, it was studied in laboratories as a gender inversion drug that literally
9: induced
8: homosexual behavior among men. Depo-Provera. When depo is administered in the lab to males, those males engage in male-to-male mounting is what the scientific language is. Males sexually mounting other males. Now, for over a decade, this drug was the drug of choice in the laboratory to produce lab homosexuality and then it was selected under Dr. Frederick Goodman to be a drug of choice in this violence initiative program aimed at biomedical control of black males of the inner city.
1: We're in conversation tonight with author, professor, and scholar Dr. Wesley Muhammad, The Feminization of Black Male and Assault on Black Manhood is the topic. Uh, We're going to talk with the... Dr. Wesley, for, for uh, maybe another 20 minutes to the top of the hour before we start uh, taking callers on this important topic. Dr. Wesley, you know, you just laid out groundwork of some of the highest annals of government, thinking of ways, yes. first physical, uh, to almost like lobotomize young black males. Yes. But yes. then, Lobotomy. you see where, as you laid out, that these more crude methods changed into more diabolical methods to deliver biochemicals into black males or introduce biochemicals into black males. Now, I want to talk about how these chemicals were proposed to be introduced. But before I do that, I want to read something, and I know that you're familiar with it, but I want to read something that was introduced to me by a frequent caller to this program. He uh, emailed me the information, and I looked at it, and it caught me totally by surprise. But I want to read it, because I, I know you're familiar with it, but I want to read it basically for our listening audience, because when you hear Dr. Muhammad talking about uh, the violence prevention initiative that was funded with millions, h- tens of millions of dollars by the government to direct uh, action towards black males, uh, some Listeners might think, well, this this might be a little far-fetched. This might be, uh, to coin a a popular term now, fake news. Well, let me me read this for our listening audience because it was introduced to me by a guest, a, a, a caller, and he'll probably end up calling tonight sometime. It's called The Gay Bomb. I want our listeners to look it up at your leisure. Let let me read, because I'm going to read from two publications, one BBC and one from here. Uh, The gay bomb are informal names for two theoretical, non-lethal chemical weapons that the United States Air Force Research Laboratory speculated about producing. Uh, The theories involved discharging female sexual pheromones over enemy forces in order to make them sexually attracted to each other. In 1994, the Wright Laboratory in Ohio, a predecessor to today's United States Air Force Research Laboratory, produced a three page proposal on a variety of possible non lethal chemical weapons, which was later obtained by the Sunshine Project through a Freedom of Information Act. Now it says the same thing in a report by the BD- BBC. U.S. military ponders love, not war. The U.S. military investigated building a gay bomb, which would make enemy soldiers sexually irresistible to each other. The government papers say other weapons that never saw the light of day include one to make soldiers... uh, Okay, I'm going to read all it because other things don't necessarily pertain. It says in 1994, plans were made for a six-year project, costing $7.5 million, but were never pursued. Now, it's up to our listening audience to believe that these projects were never pursued. I believe that they were pursued. The information that you're talking about tonight, Dr. Muhammad, showed that they were pursued. Yes. But I just wanted to throw that out there in relation to what you're saying, that the government investigated uh, introducing chemicals in warfare, to cause soldiers make to make love with one case. another. I mean, what right. kind of crazy, diabolical, what are we dealing with? Our people got to know right. what we're dealing with when we talk about Absolutely. white supremacy and the fathers and the, the, the gatekeepers of white supremacy. Yes, sir. But, what's but go critical ahead, Dr. To uh-huh.
7: understand?
8: Go ahead. What's critical to understand about the gay bomb and the claim that its use was not pursued. You have to understand that the U.S. military always operates with two theaters of war in mind, a foreign theater of war and a domestic theater of war. The black communities, as we documented in our book and has been documented over and over again, when you study, for example, MK Ultra, the CIA's covert program over 50 years, of identifying and using chemical and biological agents to control the mind and behavior of an enemy population, that enemy population was both domestic and foreign. And the number one domestic enemy population that was victimized by MKUltra was Black America. <laughs> so Black America is the domestic theater of war for the U.S. military and intelligence community. So while the gay bomb may not have been deployed in the foreign theater of war, it and its allies, if you will, allies, other scientific allies of the gay bomb, absolutely was, and is deployed in the domestic theater of war, which is and has been since Watts blew up in 1965. That theater of war is primarily the inner cities where that very threatening, demonic inner city black male dwells. When I say demonic, I'm speaking from the perspective of the current dominant males of this society, white males, who see the inner-city black male as demonic because the inner-city black male is the chief threat to the current dominance hierarchy. So, yes, the gay bomb is very weird, real, and we um, document the various ways in which these chemicals are diverted to the inner cities where the black male, the inner-city black male, dwells.
1: You know, before I get you to to talk about how uh, they propose to introduce these chemicals to black uh, males or black folks in general, males in particular, uh, brother Richard, because uh, I know you've been uh, listening to uh, uh, the information that uh, Dr. Muhammad has been putting out. Uh, any comments before he kind of moves forward, brother Richard? I think Brother Richard might have stepped away. Uh, uh, Dr. Muhammad, talk about some of the ways that they propose that these chemicals be introduced to black folks.
8: Yes.
7: Yes, there's a myriad of ways.
1: The first
8: is while the black male is yet a fetus in his mother's womb. We have documented that scientists have mastered the process of gender inversion, inverting the gender while the fetus, while the baby is yet in the womb of his mother. By 1987, they mastered five ways to assault the masculinity of fetus, fetuses in the womb. One way is by tricking the immune system of the mother, the pregnant mother, into attacking the male hormones of the fetus. Attacking the mother's own immune system will treat the masculine hormones developing in the male fetus. The immune system will identify them as foreign and attack them with the white blood cells. They have mastered introducing certain chemicals to the mother that will alter or invert the sex and gender of the male fetus. And this is why, Brother Elliot, the the highest concentration of Planned Parenthoods are in the black and brown communities, in those communities where because we are poor, we go there to get our services and it those are the one of the earliest avenues of this chemical assault on the black male, why the black male is yet a fetus in his mother's womb. Also, through water, we have documented as for example Dr. Tyrone Hayes out of the University of California, Berkeley has <laughs> documented that the number one contaminant of all of the water sources in America, surface water, groundwater, tap water, well water, the number one contaminant of all of the water in America is a chemical called atrazine, produced by the Swiss chemical company Syngenta. Axazine demonstrably, irrefutably inverts gender. It transforms males physically into females, not just male amphibians, but Dr. Tyrone Hayes mainly have access to his videos on YouTube where he talks about the African bullfrog being converted from male to female. But what we need to avail ourselves to is his published work that he did under pay by Syngenta, under contract by Syngenta. And you will learn there that not only does atrazine induce transgenderism in frogs, it induces it across species, including mammals. It induces transgenderism in humans as well. And this chemical atrazine, while it's the number one contaminant of water in general, the Associated Press did a major investigation in 2007, 2008, that documented that the greatest concentration of this contaminated water is around the metro areas of America, around the inner city. The highest concentration of contaminated water is the water that services the inner city where that dangerous inner city black male dwells. So through chemicals, through our water, through our food, our food, if you were to do a study, Brother Elliot, you will learn that our food is no doubt tryptophan depleted. Tryptophan is a very important amino acid because it metabolizes or produces serotonin. Serotonin is a very important biochemical. And as we mentioned earlier, the biochemical profile of a dominant male has high serotonin. Serotonin is produced by this amino acid tryptophan, which you can get from foods. But they discovered in the laboratory that when you introduce to a population a diet that with food depleted of tryptophan, one of the effects that it has is it induces homosexual behavior in the male. A tryptophan-free diet in the laboratory has proved to induce homosexual behavior behavior among men and so not only is the black community most inner cities have become food deserts but the few areas where we can get food in our community i promise you the food sold to us whether it's turkey or eggs it doesn't matter the food sold to us provided to us it's tryptophan depleted. So through our food, through our water, through our personal care products, such as act men's personal care products, all of these are avenues through which these feminizing chemicals get to us.
1: You know, you mentioned, uh, uh, Dr. Mohammed about, uh, uh, Dr. Tyrone Hayes. Dr. Hayes joined us about, uh, less than a year ago to speak on this yeah. exact issue he talked about atrazine and he was hired by sargenta to do yeah. some studies and he kind of found Absolutely. out these things by mistake but yeah. when he started to put this information out he was not only tried to be uh, uh silenced by sargenta but the government also the federal government Absolutely. tried to silence him when he talked about atrazine Absolutely. being sprayed on gmo foods that it's are corn. in yeah, right. exactly and he talked America's about the
8: number one cash crop is corn <laughs> and it is sprayed with you
1: it. and he talked about how the, these foods are introduced especially the gmos are pumped and introduced into food desert neighborhoods inner city neighborhoods and our people are consuming yeah. them he talked about the studies that you talked about on the frogs and on rats yeah and how yeah. these things kind of mimic The reason they use rats and all here in a lot of uh, experiments we see, you know, when they talk about these things being done on laboratory rats, is because for some reason a rat's physiology mimics uh, human beings. I didn't understand that. The man's a biochemist. But he talked about limited human studies. He said they couldn't do human studies here. But he talked about limited human studies done in Europe showed the same effects in humans.
8: Well, but the 19, a 1987 document which I elaborate on in my book in 1987, the scientists, while they outline the five methods of artificially inducing transgenderism in the laboratory among lab animals, they confess that couching their confessions with all of the necessary legalisms, they confess that the same results that they get with lab animals in the laboratory are reproduced in what they call, quote, inadvertent experiment with
10: humans.
8: <laughs> now, what the hell is an inadvertent experiment? An inadvertent experiment is an experiment off the books. An inadvertent experiment is an experiment with human life in the inner city, using the inner city as a guinea pig, and it's inadvertent because no waiver was signed by the test subject. So they acknowledge that the same experiments done with lab animals in the laboratory were also done with humans outside of the laboratory but they call these experiments inadvertent by mistake but they want by mistake
1: we're joining conversation with author professor and scholar dr. Wesley Muhammad the subject the feminization of black men the assault on black manhood uh, brother Richard are you with us can you hear me brother Elliot? yes okay
3: I was just um uh, and and um dr Wesley I, I really appreciate the work you've done and, and could you um mention your book again because I think it's important for us to um really even after we hear you to go back and, and get your book now you um you raised the point of the chemical the water and and, and uh, the question come to my mind when you really worked around the time the timeline of nineteen sixty five and nineteen eighty when um I guess you can call it recreational drugs, but for us, it was the drug epidemic called crack, which is a chemical. Yeah. And which I understand yeah. is a chemical that was created. Is there, yeah. uh, in your research, is there any correlation because of the devastation that it did in urban communities, um, and being, um, introduced as we understand by the deep state, deep state in relationship to the CIA or um, with his name, Colonel, whatever, um, under, under is that Reagan? Um, is there any correlation of the chemicals used in crack and the effect that that, that had in relationship to your thesis and the work you've done?
8: Oh, absolutely. In my book, Understanding the Assault on the Black Man, Black Manhood, and Black Masculinity, I go in great depth about the crack conspiracy. What I document is that 13 years before the term crack cocaine was first uttered by the New York Times, 13 years prior to that, Robert Siegel from UCLA, who was the protege of Dr. Lewis Jolly West, who we mentioned earlier, the CIA doctor who was in charge of the first psychosurgery pilot program aimed at black males in California. Dr. Lewis Jolly West, his protege, Ronald Siegel, both from UCLA, thirteen years before crack appeared on the public scene, Ronald Siegel confessed to not just testing crack cocaine, but teaching lab monkeys in a basement laboratory at UCLA, teaching them how to smoke crack cocaine. 13 years before the world knew anything about crack cocaine. Ronald Siegel, the same Ronald Siegel that was teaching lab monkeys in the basement lab of UCLA to smoke cocaine before anybody in the world knew what crack cocaine was. He confessed that they have designer crack. He confessed that they have designer crack, that they are able, for example, to put crack cocaine in a time-release capsule, that the capsule, when swallowed, will release its chemical at a specified time. And he acknowledges that, that capstone. And he says he has crack cocaine. They created crack cocaine chewing gum. And he said that these designer cracks were sold in countries overseas. Now, 13 years before crack hit the streets of South Central Los Angeles and devastated the black community. That crap was being tested in basement laboratories by the protege of the number one CIA doctor, Jolly West. By CIA doctor, this is a class of non CIA employees who are funded by the CIA to do CIA research. And Dr. Jolly West was integral to the MKUltra program of the CIA. Again, as a reminder, MKUltra was the over 50-year CIA program designed to identify and use chemical and biological agents to control the mind and behavior of select enemy populations, the number one domestic enemy population being black people, black males in particular. This CIA doctor, his protege, Dr. Ronald Siegel is the apple seed, is the John O. Apple seed of crack cocaine. The origin of crack, the first handling of, of crack that we can document is in his basement laboratory at UCLA 13 years before it hit South Central Los Angeles. When it did hit South Central Los Angeles, the crack that was provide provided not only came through CIA affiliated hands, but the crap came with the first appearance of military grade weapons in the black community. Prior to the 80s, we had we fought with knives and occasionally we had a peace shooter. Military grade weapons were first introduced by Ronald Lisson, a CIA asset who provided Jeff Ford and his um, cartel in South Central Los Angeles with all of their military-grade weapons. So the crack and the weapons that hit South Central Los Angeles in the 80s came out of the same CIA operatives, But the crack in particular came out of UCLA, and it was UCLA that did the dominance hierarchy studies and the sociopharmacology studies. We have documented that the explosion of crack is a direct result of the sociopharmacology studies of UCLA. How to control subordinate black males through biochemistry, through pharmacology, by introducing a drug that will control and alter their mind. Now, I have to say this. Crack cocaine ultimately proved not terribly effective, and this is why. And then they switched to a more effective agent, marijuana. (laughs) Crack cocaine devastates that cocaine creates black zombies. It devastated the physiology of our people. This devastation was a this physiological devastation ended up being a huge drain financially on the medical establishment because uh, our our crackhead family didn't have insurance, but they were treated. So the devastation caused by crack cocaine was a financial drain, but also it was a deterrent. How many crackheads do you know today? There are very few crackheads today. Crack became passe in the late 90s. Why? Because most people saw the devastation that crack caused. And, and stayed away from it. turned away from it. Mm-hmm. Straight away from it. Marijuana, the same lab that experimented with cocaine during the socio-pharmacology studies, we have their own confessions that they also experimented with marijuana. Marijuana, in fact, cannabis, cannabis sativa, was the first, agent considered by the CIA's predecessor, the Office of Strategic Services, who initiated the early MKUltra studies. Cannabis sativa was the first chemical investigated as the potential MKUltra agent, and they produced an
11: enhanced
8: weaponized version of cannabis in the 1940s that will appear on the streets in the late 60s. Now, the cannabis that's on the streets or the marijuana that's on the streets today is totally weaponized. It is, to- it is not the marijuana of the jazz musicians of the 40s. It's not even a marijuana of the recreational smokers, the hippies of the early 60s the marijuana, that marijuana, the marijuana of the 40s had a THC content. THC is the chemical that gets you high, but THC is also the chemical that does the damage to the brain and to the masculinity of its smoker. THC is the chemical that inhibits testosterone production. In the 1940s, Our grandfathers, the weed they smoked had a THC content of less than 1%, and it was balanced by the other chemical, the good chemical, the truly medicinal chemical of cannabis, cannabidiol. Cannabidiol has a taming, controlling, suppressing effect of the negative consequences of THC. And so natural cannabis has the proper balance of THC and cannabidiol, which is why the uh, ancient ancestors, they can use, they didn't smoke it, but they can use cannabis medicinally, okay. and it did not ill affect them. That is not the cannabis that you smoke it. The cannabis that you smoke smoking today has a decreased, a deliberately decreased CBD Or cannabidiol content and they deliberately increased THC content. So it went from less than 1% THC content in the 40s to 5%, 4 to 5% THC content in the late 60s, early 70s, to a 10 to 20 or even 30% THC content today. It's weaponized. It has no the street marijuana has no medicinal value at all because they removed the medicinal chemical, cannabidiol, and enhanced the neurodegenerative chemical, THC, but that's the stuff that Negroes like because it gets them high. I say all that to say the reason marijuana was more successful than crack, they both emanated from the same labs with the same objective but because marijuana's impact is more subtle than crack. Marijuana users are victimized by a false sense of functionality, a false sense of being okay, because the degenerative impact of today's marijuana is more subtle and long-term, and what it produces, what I document in the book, it doesn't dev- a devastate, a black zombie is not more beneficial to the current dominance hierarchy than a happy slave. Marijuana produces happy slaves, what I mean by that, because marijuana doesn't devastate, even this, this weaponized marijuana, it doesn't devastate the physiology immediately. Users are functional, but functional on a lower level because that THC, it doesn't affect lower cognition or lower thought processing. It affects what they call executive cognition, higher thought processing. It assaults the prefrontal lobe of the brain, which is the seat of the higher level thinking. So we are functional, but functional on a very remedial level way So we are serviceable to the common, the current dominance hierarchy as servants as menial laborers but the marijuana robs us of the executive thought process that would allow us to strategize in a successful uprising and overturning of the current dominance hierarchy. This is why marijuana is everywhere. In the black community. And this is why George Soros, the evil double George Soros, the billionaire behind Black Lives Matter with its homosexual or queer agenda, George Soros, the billionaire behind the black baby eaters, the Clintons, the same George Soros invested his millions and billions into the legalization of not just medical marijuana but recreational marijuana. You have to ask yourself why. What is this demonstrable Satan's, George Soros, what is his interest in legalizing medical and recreational marijuana? It is because the marijuana that is used as medicine and used for recreation today is totally
1: weaponized
8: against the subordinate male class to protect the current dominant hierarchy.
1: We're, we're in conversation with author, professor, and scholar, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, the subject, the feminization of black men and assault on black manhood. Uh, you know, we got several callers here. I'm going to try to get to some of them before we take a break. Uh, let's go to the first. A 201 area code, what's your name, where are you calling from, and do you have a question for Dr. Muhammad? 201, they must have stepped away from their phone, I'll get back to them, let's go to this call, 225 area code, what's your name, where are you calling from, 225 area code, I'll put them back on hold, let's go to 267 area code, what's your name, where are you calling from,
12: yes, brother Elliot. how are you sir, how are you sir, uh, brother Richard,
1: brother Richard is here,
12: Okay, and uh, Dr. Muhammad, Brother Timothy, from Triple number 12, brother. How are you? How are you, Brother Timothy, top of the clock? Yes, yes, uh, tick-tock, tick-tock. Brother, you know, the messenger's teaching is always on time. And in studying his teachings, people who misunderstood us thought we were uh, listening to a lot of fairy tales and myths. But as you're talking about this, we start off very young learning about the messages and teachings that were given to us by our elders. First thing that came to my mind, a lot of people laugh at that, is the history of Yaku, that, that, that scientist, that madman, the yes. dominant recessive gene, and the message giving yes. us the secret to how to eat live one and two, which I still use every day, one meal a day. You know, even right. between the right. hours of four or six for the message to us, because the hydrochloric. Brother Tim, died,
1: do, me, do me a favor, uh, because we, we got a bunch of calls waiting. D- did you have a question for Doctor Muhammad?
12: Well, I'm gonna tell you, man, a lot of them people hung up, but like I got something to say, this brother, man, this brother right here from the Nation, man, and he's talking the heavy science, man, and this Nation resides. This for understanding what we know what's going on with come to the genocide of our people. So I'm happy to see that the Nation is right on point. So what they've been doing from the person. early days on to now. So you keep on doing that science, man. I'm going to get you a book. I'm going to read it inside and out. Because anything you, that's given I appreciate by the you Yeah, listen, anything that's given us by a message, man, is worth about reading. Because like the message said, Islam is mathematics, mathematics is Islam.
2: And we yes, know sir. we
12: are above because we are with our people. Keep fighting yes, hard, sir. man. Give up that science. Thank we you. Gotta one day I hope to talk. see you in Philadelphia the weekend of March 17th. I look for you, brother. Will you be at the top, of the, cl- at the the top of the
8: clock? I'll be at temple number twelve. See you there, brother Timothy.
12: Okay, what, what was the date again, my brother?
8: Um, the weekend of March
12: seventeenth. I look to see you. Sound like a Stay you there. Thank like you, you a for class.
10: your
1: call, sir. Let's go to Baton Rouge. What's your name? Where are you calling from, sir? Oh boy, let's let's uh, put them back on hold. Let's go to two two five area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Two two five. Are you with us? Let's put them back on hold. Six four six area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
9: Yeah, this is Jay. What's going on? How are you, sir? I'm good, brother. As always. Listen, uh, right, right, quick. Before I, you know, get to my question. The brother had mentioned something about Jeff Fort. Um, was he talking about out in L.A.?
8: No, Rick Ross. I met Rick
13: Ross. Okay, Rick Ross yeah, out because in
9: LA. I, I I I I know um, Jeff Ford is not um, L.A. He's, um,
13: right? He's Chicago. Chicago.
9: Yeah, I yes. just I just glad Rick to see Ross that out you. In LA. Right, I'm glad to see you clear that clear that up yes. because we got to give um, true information. Now in regards to um what what you're saying, what I'm trying to first um I hope you acknowledge is that the work when you discuss this and you talk about this, I hope you give all praises and due to Wada Baruti and the irritated genie who have been at the forefront of I guess what you're trying to um interject into the black community. You know what I mean? Because, um, you know, they, they're really on the front line doing the work to beat back this beast. And as I say, his gay mafia agenda freakiness. So so I just hope that whatever you do, whenever you talk about this subject matter out in, in public, that you will acknowledge those two brothers and the fine work that they're doing.
8: Well, no, I won't
9: always, but let me address that.
8: I What I do always do, brother, is acknowledge that I did not innovate or initiate the public discourse about this subject. I acknowledge that I am simply making my contribution to a discussion that preceded me. I've acknowledged, you know, it doesn't, you just can't stop with those two, and I'm going to speak about my former professor, Brother Baruti. I was a student in his sociology class at Morehouse College. I know Brother Baba Baruti well, and he knows me well. But this discussion that we are participating in did not begin with Baba Baruti. I quote and I treat um and acknowledge and salute Brother Baruti in my book. But the discourse did not begin with him any more than it began with me. It goes back before Baba Baruti, Brother Amos Rilson, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, Dr. Sharonda Kendrufu, the conspiracy to destroy black boys. My work is not just about homosexuality. If you actually read my book, Understanding the Assault on the Black Man, Black Manhood, and Black Masculinity, you will see that the 22 chapters, the 404 pages, deal with many more aspects of the assault on Black Manhood and Black Masculinity beyond just homosexuality. There are those who are fixated with homosexuality or properly attacking that issue, I am dealing with that issue among many issues in this assault on the black man. So I have no reason to, every time I open my mouth, tip my hat to any or all of my predecessors. I have constantly made the point and saluted my predecessors, one of which is Brother Baba Barudi, who I quote in my book. If you bear yourself to the book, you would know that.
1: Thank you for your call, Jay. Let's go to two one five area code. What's your name? Where you calling from?
13: Hey, hey, brother Elliot, how you doing? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hey, brother Richard, assalamu alaikum Doctor Wesley. How you doing, my brother? Wa well, alaikum Salam, fam. I'm well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'll praise be to our Lord, uh, brother Wes. I'm so glad that brother Elliot and brother Richard got you on tonight because. Like I said, you're a wealth of information, and before I dig deep into the subject, you're absolutely right, uh, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, about the assault on on, on black masculinity. It, it like I said, comes in different forms. It don't have to. It's homosexuality is one of them. But for example, something, right. something that we take for for granted, like when you put a black man in the position as a black man, where he can't be the head of his household, where he's not in the financial position. To take care of his family—that's an assault on black masculinity. That is
8: absolutely you know, the.
13: Case. You know what I mean? See, we see, we can take it right on top of our people's heads a lot of times, but it because like when them devils can sit there and pay a brother a low wage job where well, he can barely, you know, pay pay his rent and his board or or his mortgage or his mortgage. And that's two know. of the chapters in my book. Okay, all praises, the, I praise economic the book.
8: disempowering of the black male.
2: Yes, you make yes, a indeed. a very
8: important point on that, and if, if I can just elaborate, I'll let you get to sure. question, cause the question, because that's Sure, This is not just... When we talk about the assault on the black man, homosexuality is but one manifestation or consequence of that assault. We are highlighting the spectrum of ways in which this government has and is unmanning the black men, inducing homosexuality either by chemicalization or by propagandizing the black community into accepting homosexuality. That's one form of the feminization. But to your point, brother, there are other manifestations of this unmanning or feminizing that we also shed light on and need to give as much focus to. For example, black men wanted to be kept by black women. A black man, and some of those who rage against homosexuality, they are feminized in their own way. Black men who are content living in their woman's house,
12: Mm-hmm. driving
8: their woman's car mm-hmm. they are feminized in that they are unmanned in that situation now we know that that socioeconomic situation where black women are allowed to make good money in this society and black men are disallowed
10: That's because
8: right. money and in this society so there is a deliberate plot to disempower the black male in his own. That yes, is, is a result of our enemy. However, you have some brothers who are happy
12: to be kept
8: by their woman. That is a feminized black man. so my book, the 22 chapters, the 404 pages, deals with not just homosexuality, but the whole spectrum of the unmanning of the black male. There are some, like those mentioned, who may focus specifically on the homosexual assault. I focus on that, but I focus on that along with other aspects of the unmanning of the black man. I appreciate your point. You're
13: going to welcome, Brother Wesley, and I'm glad you, you, you raised that because we have, to be, we have to look at this thing in a, in a multifaceted way, not just one yes. item of it. And, and, and see... Yes. Brother Wesley, when Brother Elliot was talking earlier about the gay bomb, I was a, a fellow FOI brother. When I went down to the restaurant to the, to the, to the, to, the, to Muhammad's kitchen a few weeks ago here in Philadelphia, the brother showed. He said he said, Brother, you ain't gonna believe this. He should up. He put it on his on his smartphone, and all that stuff about the gay bomb came up. And the, and I said basically the same thing that Brother Elliot said to you to you, uh, Doctor Wesley. I said, What kind of people are we under? I said, Only a diabolical devil. You know, it comes from the caves of Europe, it would even come up with a, a sick idea like that to sit there and make a right. chemical type bomb that to turn a man into a homosexual, where there only a sick people that would even think of stuff like that. I said, instead right. of but, trying to think of things that. But we
12: have to understand the context of the,
8: of the gay bomb.
13: Yes.
10: Mm-hmm.
8: We can't overly exoticize the gay bomb. We're missing the point. Mm-hmm. The white man. Everywhere he has gone on the planet, everywhere he has set his boots, he had to be the only man in Mm town, in Africa, in the early Americas, in India, in East Asia, everywhere the white man has gone globally. When he set up shop in a land, one of his number one objectives in order to secure his place as the only man in town. One of his number one objectives was unmanning the local male population. Now, the white man is a natural homosexual. Mm -hmm. His very white masculinity, in fact, is anchored in the Homosexual Sex Act. And this is why as part of the unmanning of the local populations, he sodomized the local population.
12: Mm-hmm. But he
8: was able, how was he able to preserve his masculinity in the face of his sodomizing myth? It is because mm-hmm. in his twisted mind, the sodomizer preserves his masculinity. It's the sodomite that is feminized, an important mm-hmm. book that you should we should all get by Professor Jane Ward entitled, not gay, sex between straight white men. She says, Mm -hmm. she documents in this book, quote, straight men, specifically white men, are having sex with other men to affirm just how straight they are. Because to Mm -hmm. be straight and to still be able to perform, quote, gay sex is the height of white masculinity. End quote. What point am I making? The gay bomb. And the chemical assault on the inner cities is to make black men bend over,
12: physically Mm -hmm.
8: and metaphorically.
12: Mm -hmm. And
8: this is why John Hopkins University, when they did a very
12: insidious
8: study between 2010 and 2015, I believe was the terms of the $400,000 grant that the National Institutes of Health provided them to study the satisfaction levels of adolescent black boys who were anally penetrated. They Mm -hmm. studied young black boys who were anally penetrated, stardomized by older men, and they wanted to study their satisfaction levels. See, Wow. Their interest, what they are promoting is not just homosexuality, but they, for the white man, his twisted mind, all homosexualities ain't the same. Mm.
10: The sodomized
8: versus the sodomizer, they're not the same. For us, they're all the same. For him, they're not. So they are not just promoting homosexuality, but specifically feminization. They want the black man bent over physically, intellectually, spiritually, culturally. So I say all that to say, and this is because he has to be the only man in his town. No yeah, other right. men can exist except the white man, and the local woman automatically becomes his woman. So what that's we're true. talking about is a global project of unmanning the black male. And this is why the folk, and this is done in a myriad of ways, and this is why it's dangerous to only focus on homosexuality. Homosexuality absolutely is a spawn of this project to unman the black man. Mm-hmm. But so is, so is. The black man who's happy to lay up in his woman's house. That That's too right. is a spawn of this global project of unmanning the black men. So too is really, the right. happy weed smoker.
13: Mm-hmm. You
8: banging on homosexuality and getting lifted with marijuana. How about that? But they don't see the contradiction. That's right. The homosexual you're condemning is a victim of the assault against black masculinity. Exactly. And you puffing on that weed are a victim of the assault on black masculinity. The
13: and, chemical and, and,
8: and bro, assault on the homosexuals and the chemical assault
13: on the black weed is.
7: Yes, sir. And me you know right. Right,
13: right, because I... You're right, right Doctor Wesley, because I was telling the brother earlier. I said that when, 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 I, when Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan spoke at Long Beach about a month or so ago, when some of the I guess brothers or sisters there that was homosexual lesbian walked out, the minister made it yeah. clear. He said, I'm not hate I love you. I don't hate you. He's not he's I don't yeah. like what you do, but I don't hate you. Yeah. And I think that's to your point, brother Wesley. We don't hate our yeah. homosexual brothers and sisters. We try to straighten them out. We we come at right. them with love because we know they, we, we, right. know they we, we know that we know these are victims of this white diabolical plot and stuff like that. So right. I always make right. that point we, clear to our people. We, 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 we I love our people, right. homosexual whatever. We don't you know? hate
8: our black crackhead family. We wanna save our black Exactly. We don't hate our black weedhead family. We want to save our black weedhead family.
13: Right. We don't
8: hate our black man laying up in this woman's house. We want right. to save our black man happy to lay up in this woman's house. That's we want the black to we man stand man up and a man.
13: man.
8: Absolutely. Yep.
13: Thank you, Brother Elliott. Thank you, Brother Richard. And Brother Wesley, Thank may Allah you. continue to bless you and your family, brother, moving forward. And, and may Allah put that hedge of protection around you and your family as you move forward, Brother Wesley. as you. you. and yours. Wa-alaikum-salam.
1: Thank you for your call, Thank sir. You. Let's go to 202, 202 Area Code. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
8: Irritated Genius Southeast. I'm calling from Washington, D.C.
1: How are you, sir? I'm doing hey.
8: fantastic. Yourself? Great. All right, uh, I got a quick comment. I appreciate the program you're putting on now. I think we need more programs like this because our community can definitely use this kind of dialogue. Uh, I, I have one thing I, I I agree. Say to say Brother Wesley. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. yes. And, and re, in respect to the information that the brothers putting out, I think it's great that he's putting the information out. There's one thing that I think that he needs to add to this conversation every time he has it because it's going to be important that it's always associated with this discussion. And that's that the primary catalyst for the effeminization of black males, whether it leads to homosexuality or not, is sexual abuse. Because without that part of the discussion, what I'm finding a lot of people are doing, because what you're saying is accurate in terms of the chemical assault, but they're using this discussion to make it not necessary for us to be real men and do what's responsible, which is prevent sexual abuse. So they say, well, you know what? Right. This person has gotten uh, homosexual because of the chemicals, so guess what? It's not their fault. And now that means we don't have to investigate and find out the majority of our young brothers and sisters that are into this behavior were sexually abused, which means there are people in our community who are abusing these children. And as men, part of not being effeminized is going after these individuals and making them stop so I think if you added that to the right. conversation that he's having, I think it would be so complete. Right. I, I appreciate that, Brother Irritated Genie, and I think the record should show Brother Irritated Genie and Brother Wesley Muhammad are engaged in a very amicable dialogue, and um, I have no doubt that this is the beginning of a series of amicable dialogues, Brother Irritated Genie. I don't. At all disagree with your point, pedophilia. In my book, the 22, among the 22 chapters of which, I specifically deal with sexual abuse. Now, the sexual assault of our community, the sexual, by 18, 60% of black girls by. Are- molested. And most of this molestation comes from a black father, a black brother, a black uncle, a black cousin, a black friend of the family. The abuse of our women and the abuse of our children by men and women absolutely is not only a fierce urgency of now, but a fierce urgency of now that I have spoken of on numerous occasions, and that I deal with in my book. You are not incorrect, Brother Irritated Gene. that this is an urgent matter, an urgent aspect of this discourse that should always be heard. You suggest that I should, in every one of my dialogues, make that particular point. Well, that's not necessary. I am any more than it's necessary for you to make the particular point that I make. Now, this subject, Brother Irritated Jeannie, that you and I or this discourse that you and I are engaged in is a discourse that did not originate with you. It did not originate with me. The parameters of this discourse are not determined and will not be determined by you, will not be determined by me, will not be determined by Baba Barudi, will not was not determined by Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, Dr. Amos Wilson, Dr. Jolanza Kinjufu. None of all of us make contributions to this discourse, our own individual contributions. None of us determine the parameters of the discourse because there's always new information coming. So what you probably didn't know, Brother Irritated Gene, the work that you do on the subject, when you keep it on the subject and not falsely accuse the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan, which I haven't heard of, Nate, and I acknowledge that and I appreciate that, the work you do on the subject, the work you do in calling out the pedophiles, which should be done, and we do it too. Absolute that work. From my perspective, the work, the work of Brother Wesley, Brother Irritated Jean, Brother Baba Barudi, and all of us—we complement each other. You don't speak on most of what I have in my book. If you got the book, you will see that. Nor should you be obligated to my contribution. Compliment doesn't compete with, it complements your contribution. My contribution complements, not competes with, Baba Barudi's contribution. And that's how the discourse is moved forward by all of us making our own individual contribution to it and appreciating the contribution of everyone else.
1: Brother, I want to thank you for your call, man.
8: All right, thank you.
1: Let's go to let's go to Zachary, Louisiana. Are you there, Carla? Are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go here to Albany, Georgia. Are you there, Carla? Are you with us? Let's put them back on hold.
8: Well, why, well, while why we're while we're waiting, go ahead, go ahead. Been. Let, let me make one more point because Brother Irritated Jamie raised it and it's important. I have stated, you know, the issue of our,
11: our people
8: using what we have disclosed regarding the chemical, chemical feminization of the black man, are some using it as an excuse As a license, well, I'm sure some are. But let me be real clear. I have stated that the problem of homosexuality is twofold, that it happens on two levels. There's a chemicalization and a propagandization. I said that a core of this new homosexual phenomenon is, the result of chemicalization, covert chemicalization. But there is also a large segment of the current homosexual phenomenon that weren't chemicalized into homosexuality. They were propagandized into homosexuality. And that, too, is a deliberate result of governmental policy. The government in particular the National Institutes of Health, spent $400,000 on a program to eradicate what they call homonegativity in the black community to eliminate the negative stigma of homosexuality in the black community. Why? Because they want to homosexualize the black community. So through the media, through music, through arts. The black community has been and is being propagandized into homosexuality, and what what I know of Brother Irritated Genius' work that is perfectly consistent with his contribution to this discourse. So I never said, nor can it be said, that every black homosexual is a homosexual. Because they were chemicalized. A core is, but there's another core that's homosexual because they were propagandized. They fell victim to the propaganda of this government. The propaganda's objective is to make homosexuality normalized in the black community. And so you have the case of Candace Wiggins. Now I'll close on this point. Candace Wiggins, the former NBA. WNBA star who ended her career two seasons prematurely because she said that the WNBA is 98% gay and that they bullied her and tortured her because she is heterosexual. So, what we have, homosexuality is fastly becoming normalized in the black community Mm -hmm. via government propaganda, deliberate propaganda to normalize homosexuality in the black community and stigmatize so-called heterosexuality. It is no one is speaking a hate crime against those homosexuals that tortured and bullied Candace Wiggins, but if a homosexual was treated the way Candace Wiggins was treated, we would be talking about hate crime charges. But it's okay to bully so-called heterosexuals, and I say so-called heterosexuals because that label puts straight black men in the same category as homosexual black men, and I don't buy that. So the larger point that I make, through Brother Irritated Jeannie's point, it is not the case that every black homosexual has been chemicalized. Many, a large segment of that community has been propagandized into their behavior because of the propagandistic objective of this government is to normalize homosexuality in the black community.
1: Let's go to three. Ten area code. 310 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? 310? You know, we, what we gonna do, uh, we're going to do, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I might have to clear the board. And uh, and uh, let's try one more before we take this break, though. Let's go to uh, 856. 856 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
14: Hey, my name is Brother Darren. I'm from Lakemere.
7: everyone, how are you guys doing tonight? How are you, sir? Oh, I like the salon, Brother Darren.
14: Good. I, I, my, my question is this, uh, Brother Wesley. I've been following you for a long time. I mean, I'm a follower of the, uh, of, the of the minister. Um, my mother was as yeah. well. Um, but my question tonight, basically, is we all, we, you know, you, you've, you've, you put it out there, and you've, you've made a case, and it's crystal clear, and it all should be understood at this point if you do the research. I get that. What, what should we do? What can we do collectively moving forward to make these people accountable for what they're doing?
7: Yes.
8: Well, by these people, are you talking about the white victimizer or the black victim?
14: Uh, at this point, I'm talking about the culprit. I'm talking about the white victimizer. Right. right. No. You well, mean, I wouldn't say that the first brother, thing brother we have
7: Wesley.
14: To do, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Brother Wesley, I mean, I understand that, you know being a long time uh student back in the day at Muhammad University, you know, at least my knowledge base is this. Everything that I've been taught from a youngster is being verified. So I know that the teeth are right on point. No question about that. But and I know in the end everything will be exposed. Things will come out. But I mean I want this I want this man to be exposed for who he is because People
7: still are yes, in love with
1: them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Brother, yes, let, sir. Let, let me say something on what you said. And 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 please, uh, yes, Doctor Muhammad, I know you're going to chime in. You know, the best thing we can do as far as the victimizer is to do, for example, what I'm doing here, allowing this information to get out. Right. Doctor Wesley is putting this information out here. It's been other men that's mm. doing it. Kudos to them. Uh, you know we All don't right. have any monopoly on information i don't uh, i hope a thousand people start putting this information out letting our people know All our right. people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge our people don't know right. these things that are affecting them what's going on we can pull the cover off these people and their deeds and for our people that's sure. been affected by these things the same thing goes with them not necessarily pulling the cover off but allowing them to understand what is being done to them chemically? The behaviors is a choice. Everybody makes a choice. Whatever you do, whether you have sex with another woman or whether you do have sex with a man, it's a choice that you're making. So we have to change our behaviors if these behaviors are negative. That is it. So yes. the thing we can do with the, vict- uh, the victimizer These folks that's putting these policies out is to pull a cover off. The more of our people know the information, then you're armed. And the thing that we can do with our people that's been the victims of it is to let them know what's going on so they can change their behavior, do all they can. If I'm eating foods that's full of all types of atrazine and and smoking weed that's full of paraquat, then I need to stop eating those GMO foods and stop smoking that weed. And that's then right. maybe the almighty will that's change right. my behaviors.
8: Absolutely.
1: Now, I just, that's all I want to say. Dr. Dr. Wesley, you jump in.
8: And that's right. And exact. I don't have much more to add to that, except relating it to the language that I use victim and victimizer. The solution to the problem is for the victim to stop being a victim. Okay. You know, and it goes back to the Quran where Satan said, an argument to Allah, I did nothing but cause them. They came. We don't have to be perpetual victims of this enemy anymore. We are willing victims because we engage in that self-destructive behavior that Brother Elliot just spoke of. The minute Mm -hmm. we say, get thee behind me, Satan, then we are no longer victims anymore. And when I say, get thee behind me, Satan, I'm speaking of a real thing, We can put the enemy behind us. In fact, in the words of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, we can have the white man as a string tied around our finger and that we won't even notice except we look down at it. We have the power to not be a victim any longer. We have to come out of her, my people, by which I mean We have to disengage the culture, not just the culture of the white men in America, but the nigger culture that he created and imposed on us. This nigger culture is a death culture. By nigger culture, I mean the way we live, the foods we eat, the drugs we use, the way we relate to each other, the way we treat our women, the way we raise our children, all of this nigger culture. Perpetuates our victimization. It perpetuates our status as non-dominant males. In other words, nigger culture protects the dominant, the current dominant hierarchy. If we hmm. want to stop, if we want to end our enemies' assault on us, all we have to do is stop sustaining. The current dominance hierarchy by our engagement in the behaviors that support the current dominance hierarchy. Come out of her, my people. Be not partakers of her sin. Give the white man back his nigger culture.
14: Thank you, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Brother, thank you for your call, you. man. You know, we're going to take a brief break. We're joining conversation tonight with author Professor Scholar. Dr. Wesley Muhammad, the feminization of black men and assault on black manhood is the topic of discussion. We're going to go. We usually go for a couple of hours. We're going to go a little overtime if, if Dr. Muhammad can stay with us. Uh, can you?
8: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I can.
1: We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, yes. you can join the conversation too by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back. Thank you.
4: to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com.
14: Hey, did y'all see the stuff I posted on my wall?
15: Nah, it didn't even show up in my news feed
11: Man, I'm done
15: with social media
4: All the injustice and brutality going around And it's like they're trying to suppress our voice We're trying to get the message out there And you can't even share empowerment And what's going on around the country either
16: no, nah, don't be dumb with social media, though. It's a tool, and there is a place where we have a voice. It's a Let's Buy Black 365 social network. You do anything you want on any other social network. Post pictures, videos, status updates, share resources and community news. But on Let's Buy Black 365, it's a platform for us and by us to tell our messages.
2: Whoa, that's like a digital underground railroad.
16: What's the name of that site again? It's Let's Buy dot 365com
14: Yeah, I heard about that. It's all about networking, and you get points, right?
16: Yeah, the more you network, Network, post and share, the more points you get. Plus you get points for posting pictures, sharing information, attending community events, and inviting others to network with you on the app. Wow, that's all I need to know. I'm gonna go download that app right now. Now better yet, let me invite you so I can get some points. It's all about empowerment and solutions, y'all.
4: Yeah, that's what's up. I'm all in.
16: Let's do it. Let's share our stories. Let's, Let's buy, buy Black365.com. Black
1: What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, If you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with One Million Conscious Black voters and contributors the movement is now go to wwwin one that's wwwin one
12: now
4: what's happening in all the urban cities across america is that you got a process in, in place right now in urban re- in re- redevelopment they're using five techniques to totally wipe you out One is called gentrification. They're going into all these major cities that used to be majority black population, populated cities, and they they are erasing you in in places like Detroit, Michigan, New York, Boston, Washington DC. Washington DC used to be the chocolate city. When I went there with President Carter in 1976, at that time, Washington DC was 78% black. Now it's down about 42% black. Chocolate city is gone. Detroit, Michigan is going to be totally wiped out by immigrants pouring into the society. In 19, since 1970 up to now, we've had 45 million immigrants coming to the United States. They came in over you, and they're displacing you. And then the second term they use besides gentrification to wipe you out is a thing they call privatization. You go into Detroit, Michigan, as they gentrify, they're going to take all the public resources And things that should be owned by the public, they're going to place them through privatization to the hands of the wealthy whites. Whites are going to buy your golf courses, your subway systems, your bridges, your tunnels. They're They're going to control your airports, your parks, your museums. Why? Again, because Anderson says, he who owns and controls the resources got the power. If you own and control nothing, you are totally, absolutely useless and expendable and so and what and that's why we have nothing has changed for us because we don't understand the system of gentrification and privatization the other thing they're using to wipe you out in those cities is called metropolitan forms of government we're not going to do regional form of government which means that the whites in the suburbs can come into those black cities and set up some kind of consortium to control what goes on inside those cities so they can take to extract the resources out of them another concept they use in those cities is called cool cities Which says, cool cities mean bring in the gays and let them replace black folk. And so, and that's the the fourth scheme they use on you. And in Detroit, Michigan, using that as an example again. The governor there has already set up in movement a system where he wants to go go to the president of the United States, Obama, and ask him for a green card system where he can start importing Chinese from China to make, make Detroit, Michigan, the biggest Chinatown in the United States. Even though that city had a 90% black population, they're gonna bury blacks in Detroit, Michigan. Underneath, Asians coming into Detroit. And already in Detroit, Michigan, in Dearborn, like on the outskirts of Detroit, Arabs own 90%, 90% of all the businesses in the city of Detroit are owned by Arabs. Arabs and and 90% black population must must go to the Arabs and get what they want. In terms of food, medicine, clothing, because they own all the the gas stations. You got 146 gas stations in Detroit, Michigan. Arabs now own 144 in a black city. Blacks own two gas stations out of 146. You own nothing. The rest, the hotels are are owned and the 7-Elevens are owned by Indians. Asians are owning the, the laundries, the laundries. They're owning the hair and wig shops, the nail shops. Blacks own nothing in a 90% black city. And that's why now Detroit went into poverty.
1: From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, and we're joined in conversation with our guest, Author, professor, and scholar, Doctor Wesley Muhammad. The subject, the feminization of black men and assault on black manhood, is the topic for this evening. Brother Wesley, are you still with us?
7: I am, yes, sir, brother. Lee. Brother
1: Richard, uh, jump in here because uh, we had a little technical difficulties. There, I, uh, brother Richard, you, 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 are there with us. Uh,
7: yeah, well, y'all, y'all, um, um, brother, uh, brother Wesley has been really developing, and I, I, it's no need. It wasn't even no need. I'm sitting here like waiting to get the book and 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 excited to to go through this. Um, the brother did raise a question about the the solution part, but it was uh, um, Brother Wesley when you was talking about the sister that um, kind of was saying about how she was being abused um, because Candace she Weakins.
8: was. Sister Candace Wiggins, yes,
7: yeah. yeah. I, I I thought about you know we talked about the water and we talked about the recreation drugs and then the que- and and the question about images um, doing the same thing and that's this Nam moonlight getting the um um getting the aura right. it seems right. to me symbolically that that was um, you know another uh, a way to to push this assault which goes back to that old tradition. That um, I say tradition, but a part of the system, process, in um, you know feminizing black men, um, you know, because imagery was always a, a process here. Absolutely. But one thing I wanted to, to to go back to is this, and Elliot touched on it. Um, what, what did you? What have you seen as it, Elliot raised about GMOs when we talk about chemicals and food, because um, we know the food chain chain now. It's totally manipulated to be yeah. engineered chemically um in what we're um consuming. How is that affecting us uh our biology and when it comes yes. to black people particularly and in in framework that you've developed?
8: Very good question. I wanna answer that and speak more on the first first point you raised about solutions regarding food a very good brother confided to me not too long ago. He worked at a particular um, food processing location, and this food was boxed up and put on trucks according to zip code. So certain trucks go to one set of zip codes other trucks go to other set of zip codes and a brother informed me that they were real strict regarding no mixing up of the box if a brother if an employee put a box designated for for one zip code in a truck going to another zip code they could be fired Why the segregation of the food? Well, because the food going to the black zip codes have a different effect on the black bodies than the food going to the white zip code has on the white, the the bodies of the white consumers. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad, for example, said, don't eat. Soy. the white man came after him and produced a soy diet for those of us who are health conscious he presented soy as a staple of a healthy vegetarian or vegan diet the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said don't eat and many in the conscious or the conscious circles, whose specialty was in health, they criticized the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and what he said and How to Eat to Live as being uninformed. Now we know that black men and women, especially black men, throw that story away. Now we know science has proved that. Soy in the body mimics estrogen, the female hormone, and it produces man breath. It feminizes the body of male consumers. So while the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, Don't eat soy, the white man said, If you want to be healthy, eat soy, and the black conscious site for mimicking a white man said, Elijah Muhammad ain't know what the hell he was talking about. We eat stories. This is the way to go. And so a lot of black conscious elf nuts are walking around with man boobs today. Food, absolutely. It's chemical warfare. The food that is sent, Two, the black area codes in that particular food processing company is just one example. The overall infrastructure that feeds the black community is set up the same way. What is the solution? It our mouth out of the white man's kitchen. We have to own land, Brother Richard, so that we can grow our food. Land ownership and agriculture is the first start in the solution to their problem. If we are not talking about land acquisition and we are not talking about the development of agriculture, any discussion of solutions to this problem is an exercise in futility. Because as long as we have our mouth in our enemy's kitchen, we will never be able to affect any solution. We will never be able to threaten the current dominant hierarchy. So the solution to the problem is the solution to the very food problem that you speak of land acquisition the development of agriculture. We grow our own food and we feed our own communities. Anything less than that, we will never
7: have a solution. It, it, it's, it's very it's very powerful because, uh, as, as you know, we, we've we been dealing with the black farmers lately in, in relationship to this whole thing of land acquisition. They are heroes. We should
8: treat black farmers as heroes
7: of the community. And the challenge we have in in saving them, um, saving the land that they have been able to um, um, develop. Now, so let me ask again, just, you know, because you're dealing with it. Right now, the whole community, the whole um, Western world is using science as its base, so um, it's really on time that you're dealing with chemicals. You know, as one That's thing, because so. the chemicals, biology, and genetics, for us. and things right. that they're they're actually manipulating um, to their own advantage for the purpose of control. So yes. the, that means that we have to become more um, scientific literate in order Absolutely. to know what kind of chemicals. How do how do you see as that solution? Um, you know, we go um, as individuals and as a community become more. Um, literate around the chemicals that we read because a lot of times the the length of the letters to the word that is on a package is something that uh, could be turned off even though they say they put it on there. How do you how do you suggest that we go about that? Yeah, that that's precisely the point when I distinguish
8: lower level cognition or thought processing from executive function cognition, higher-level thought process. Black men and women should never, every time we approach big words, for example, and we run in the other direction, we support the current dominance hierarchy. The power to topple white supremacy, Brother Richard, doesn't come from the barrel of a black gun. It doesn't come from the stardom of a black king. The power to topple white supremacy comes from the black mind, the development of the black mind. This is why the problem of the inner city black male. The Negro problem, as experienced by the government of America, the problem was the black male mind. And the solution was dumbing or mutilating a black male brain or mind. The solution is the development of the black mind. And so we have to. That's why we you stop smoking weed. it ain't a moralistic thing family, you need to develop your executive cognitive function. Because lower level, see that that lower level cognition is what has us turning away from words that are longer than four letters. We need to run two words that are seven and ten letters. The development of our mind is what's necessary to topple white supremacy. But a developed mind has to, it, it functions best when they're sitting or operating through a healthy body. This is why food is critical. We have to eat right in order to think right. But the solution to the problem you cite, black people, stop being afraid, stop being reticent, stop being
7: resistant to
8: intellectual elevation. Yes, it's hard, but that's the difference between dominant males and subordinate males. Subordinate males don't want to do that hard stuff to acquire dominance. Dominant males are dominant because they didn't run from the hard strategic methods to acquire dominance. So, yeah, we need to read, Brother Richard. We need to read the, hard, the good stuff, the hard stuff, because Satan does. Bury the good stuff in the least accessible stuff, so we need to prepare ourselves, qualify ourselves to access the these jewels wherever the white man has buried them
1: Dr. Mohammed, you know uh brother Richard mentioned about the uh the movie that won an academy award uh last week or whatever uh moonlight. We see that a lot of these uh, media sources, which are controlled uh, by other folks, not by black folks, work in concert with some of the things that you discussed tonight. Uh, Now, in past years, and it kind of reached a a crescendo last year, when a lot of black actors was always shunned and uh, not recognized for their work to the point where last year... There was almost no black, there was no black participation in that, those Oscar awards. Uh, Blacks complained, even some actors, Uh, some actors sided and, and told blacks not to complain. But, you know, that's another story. But when blacks complained, all of a sudden this year, a bunch of actors and movies were up for awards. It came as no surprise to me, knowing the mindset of people that we're dealing with, that a movie about a young boy in the inner city confused about his sexuality even though he's a young boy uh, is introduced to homosexuality in this movie now <clears throat> we t- right after that and the award, and the award was won there was a published report in the Toronto newspaper that I put on our Facebook page so people can see what they're dealing with the headline reads Moonlight's Empowering Message Opens a Dialogue About Black Masculinity. Now, that headline in itself lets our people know exactly what we're dealing with. How does a movie where a, a young boy, he don't even know what sexuality is or, or what he's really made for, is introduced to these behaviors uh, through somebody older, how is that a conversation about black masculinity? But we see how all these things work in concert because I think a week or a week or two before that they had a Grammy Awards where one of the most popular young uh, uh, gospel artists, uh, his name escapes me, his little short brother, come out there Kirk in Franklin. A, Franklin comes out there in a dress, a red dress, right. uh, uh TD Jakes. One of the popular ministers that a lot of people, if they don't follow, they respect him. He come out saying that he's, uh, he's open now to gay marriages and gay churches. He's, his understanding is evolving. I don't know what's it's evolving to, but we see where all of these things is working in concert to deliver a message to the black community. And we see through what you've been saying tonight, the type of message that is leading to. The
8: propagandization. Yes. Look, I have not seen Moonlight, so I will put that disclaimer out there. Um, but one thing I, I want to comment on, based on all of what I have been reading, and the headline, that Toronto
1: headline that you just read for us. Yeah, and the audience can Google it. Just head. put it in Google, and they'll see the, <laughs> the headline.
8: No, that that, that is actually um, not surprising. That is part of the current discourse on what they are calling new black masculinity. <laughs> One example of this new black, of these new black masculinities is what they are calling carefree black boys. What is Will Smith's son's name that slips me right now?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, J- uh, Jaden. Yeah, Jaden.
8: Jaden Smith. He is He made himself the poster boy for this new black masculinity called Carefree Black Boy. That's a black boy that can happily wear flowers in his hair or wear a dress. This is being defined as a new black masculinity. (laughs) So I am not at all surprised to hear that two things about what you're sharing about Moonlight, and I will eventually see it. But not only is that homosexuality being touted as a black masculinity, as a new black masculinity, but you report that the young man confused about his sexuality was introduced to homosexuality by an older man. Remember, the Johns Hopkins University anal study in which they studied the satisfaction levels of adolescent black boys who were sodomized by specifically older men. They wanted, their interest was in young black boys who experienced their first sodomization or anal penetration from older black men. And this study The point of this study, they tell us, is to eliminate homonegativity in the black community to make homosexuality not a negative thing, but a positive thing. So we can connect the dots between this anal study or this sodomizing young black boy study conducted by John Hopkins University with funding from the National Institutes of Health, we can connect the themes of that study with the themes that you just recited or reported from the movie Moonlight. It is not an accident. The assault happens on multiple levels, and that's what I would like my brother irritated Jamie and others to understand what we are saying. is The assault happens at many different levels. We are chemical locked. Our manhood is, is assaulted by chemicalization. Our manhood is assaulted by propagandization. Moonlight is an example of propagandizing yes. the black community <laughs> to be pro homosexual, just like Empire is. Our manhood is assaulted to brother irritated Jeannie's point by point by the black predators in our home community that assault black boys and black girls.
1: We're coming. uh, All of these are
8: part. Yes. No, just include all of these and many more are ways in which the black male
7: is unmanned in America. And and and, uh, and, um, Elliot, I also would like to add the point of public policy because you raised earlier about what now is being called deep, deep state with the CIA and, and right. these studies um putting out this whole thing of the chemical and the experimentation but now we're looking at the public policy because also what occurred starting in the 90s is the increase in the prison population and what's a part of that urban legend is now you know just the 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 rampantness of homosexuality that occurred in the prisons and now, through public policy, a lot of males are going to be coming back into into the community. I raise that because, from what I'm getting, especially when we look at the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, there's going to be a lot of hepatitis C uh, mm. um, individuals coming back into the community. That is a chemical, um, biological imbalance that will affect have a health consequences besides the behavioral aspect so i think there's one aspect of looking at that solution and i'm asking and throwing it out there for your feedback is us being also aware of the public policies that are being instituted above ground now um the above government and how they affect the black community in relationship to
8: Policy shapes black life, and so it is critical that we are knowledgeable of public policy and we resist public policy that is intended to ill-affect the community, absolutely. For example, my brother out in L.A., Student Minister Tony Muhammad, is doing important work crisscrossing this country exposing the dangers of the MMR vaccine. We now know that the MMR vaccine has one of the chemical ice pits that replaced the physical ice pit of the first violence initiative program. The chemical ice pit, the chemical, the mirosol that's in the MMR vaccine is a, an ethnic weapon because it devastates black boy brains up to 300 times more than it affects white or anyone else's brain. The So public policy with regard to vaccination is a critical issue to the black community. Public policy that forces parents to surrender their exemption privileges, to exempt their child from these deadly vaccinations, the black community should take a heightened interest in such public policy. So public policy, to your point, we must be public policy literate and we must be activists regarding public policy that ill affects our
10: community
1: let's go to uh 415 area code 415 what's your name where are you calling from brother rafael san francisco how are you uh, sir
15: can you hear me
3: yes yeah, sir i'm doing fine uh,
15: big fan of your work brother dr wesley um well, I appreciate as as I you, getting, yes sir plan on getting your book um you spoke earlier
11: about nigger culture
15: uh, and then you yes. also spoke just recently um you reference an anal study I was curious whether or not in your book um, or just in general, if you might be able to speak on pornography and the uh, proliferation of anal sex and what were your thoughts and how that's had an impact on the feminization of a black man. Thank you.
8: Yes. Thank you for the, your call, brother. Thank you. The pornification of America. This is, an overset society. So when I say come out of her, my people, black people must disengage American culture because it's countercultural for us. Pornography is and you might as well say it's mainstream because much on prime time television can be considered soft Porn. There's a pornification of the culture, and one of the most pernicious consequences of that, of the pornification of American culture, the hypersexual, and while they are spreading pornography, the hard pornography or soft, soft pornography on primetime television, they are deliberately lowering the serotonin levels in the black community, which one of the, what the brain chemical serotonin does, it controls our natural instinct. It inhibits impulse. A high level of serotonin allows us to control our impulses. When serotonin is low, our impulses burst wild, and one of the first manifestations of low serotonin is hypersexuality. So you got pornography, either hard, overt, or soft or covert, but pornography nonetheless, saturating the country, and in a black community, our serotonin levels are deliberately lower so you have this hypersexuality, and then Congress allowed simulated Congress legalized this simulated child pornography meaning an adult can be made, or a person of legal age, that's 18, can be made to look like a child in a movie that's legal. But what that does is feed the pedophile appetite of the viewer. So you have this pornified culture. You have low serotonin levels and thus hypersexuality in the black community and there is no mystery why sixty percent of black girls by the time they are 18 years old have been molested it is no secret why pedophilia is an un an elephant in most black rooms. To Brother Irritate Jeannie's point, the community does not talk about pedophilia enough because the greatest victimizers of our children is not the white man; It's black men and today women. So the black community, we are living with the tragic, the catastrophic controversy uh, consequences of the pornification of American culture. They say when America gets a cold, black America gets the flu. I think that is applicable here with this issue as well. The pornification of this culture by deliberate design has its greatest consequences with black life in America.
1: Let's try to grab a couple of more coming down the stretch. Let's go to four oh four area code. What's your name? Where you calling
3: from?
11: Hey, peace and blessing. My name is Wesley, man. You know me, man. Hey, hey, Elliot brother, brother Wesley.
3: How you are you, know Wesley? Me, man.
11: Brother Wesley. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I talked to you earlier on another on the show. On a hey, man, see, it's a whole bunch of tentacles they use man. I E G O Engineering Watch, man. Would y'all look up and see these chemtrails they dropping on y'all, man? Okay? See, everybody want to look down, what right between their legs. Y'all better start looking up, man. they dropping right. 600 different chemicals on each and every one of us, man. Okay? Y'all want to know where that great bomb comes from? Look up and see them lines in the sky, man. Okay? That's correct. This GO Engineering Watch, man. Y'all go to that website That's right correct. now. Okay? That's the number one. They're dropping 600 different chemicals, man. All right? Just look at the lines in the sky, my people. Okay? Just look up and another thing they use they're using sound waves, man these devils use it. land, sea, air and water okay they use,
8: <laughs> absolutely
11: you, you, uh, you brother West did you look up that number I told you five one five nine seven zero three. that's the pack number for the ultrasonic sound waves that get in your yeah. mind. See, the whole yeah. thing is, is population control. Where well, they want us to buy down to them and kill each other, okay? That's Absolutely. the whole deal. So I, I'm glad you squashed the thing with this ego stuff got to stop, man, okay? If my, my, my people dying, man, okay? I don't that's care. Right. I know my brother. We got to get the information out there, Elliot. That's yeah, well, I'm I agree.
1: On. That's why I said I don't care who. If a thousand people saying the same message, we need to get the information out. That's nobody that's got right, monopoly man. on the message. Absolutely. The message is the message. Absolutely.
11: That's Absolutely. right, because we are in a new awakening now, man. The most high, y'all, law is waking up his people, man. Okay? That That's why they're right. trying to block, they're trying to block the sun out, man. Okay? Because that sun hits you in the head, that pioneer's glass. Once it hit you, that nappy head, it soak in, it wake you yeah. up to be a man, to be upright, and get off all fours like these beasts, man. Okay? i let somebody talk, man. I love y'all, man. And tell the minister, be so. Cause they're trying to come at it, man. About this stuff out there going on, about this our uh, uh, black man knocking over the, the Jews, man. They're trying to blame yes, the minister already, man. Okay, yes, and he's ready. I know he's ready. He's ready to walk, man. And I'm right with Absolutely. it, man. God Absolutely. bless y'all, man. Thank you and for your call. We really
1: got
8: army of soldiers just with him, ready.
1: Let's go to six oh nine Eric code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Six oh nine. Are you with us?
15: Can't speak. I'm I was really just listening to
1: the conversation,
15: but uh, uh, can y'all hear me?
1: Yes, sir. Uh,
15: yeah, yeah. I heard y'all talking about um, the pedophilia and the fact you're saying that it's pretty much um, multifaceted. It's not just pedophilia. It's not just chemicals, and it's not just uh, right. the propaganda. Correct, or is I'm, that no, is I'm correct? Correct. Yeah. What you're saying? Oh, no, okay. that is okay. correct. Are you saying that one will factor in more than another or that they're pretty much all at the same time having the same uh effect? Right.
8: I don't right. I don't get into putting one method of the assault against the other. The enemy says to Allah in the Quran that right. he promised Allah in the Quran that he will come after Allah's people. He will
10: come after
8: them from the right side, from the left side, from the behind, and from the front. All areas, from all angles, he will assault God's elect. I am not in the business of saying the assault from the front side is better or worse than the assault from the back side or the assault from the left is better or worse than the assault from the right. My point is to shine light on various aspects of the architecture of this assault, and there's various aspects. I do not list them. I list them in a hierarchical order. All of them are countercultural. All of them ill-affect us. And it is in our best interest to disengage
12: all of them.
15: Right, right. Now, now I have one more question, and it was pretty much with the with the pedophiles. I heard that there was a discussion with the brother, irritated genie, saying that pedophiles was uh wasn't being discussed enough in the black neighborhood. That was something that wasn't being um, addressed. But I enough. agree with that. Okay.
8: Okay. Well, I I mean, I I think that that is, yeah, I agree as well. Pedophilia pedophilia and the general molestation of our black girls is the elephant in most black rooms, or most rooms in the black community.
10: Mm -hmm.
12: It's a quiet epidemic. Molestation of our
8: children is a silent epidemic in the black
9: community.
8: Pedophilia, not just the, pedophilia is the assault of a child. It's not just a homosexual assault, but heterosexual assault. An uncle that raped his niece, Mm -hmm. that's pedophilia. And Mm -hmm. you will never get me to say Homosexual pedophilia is lesser or greater than heterosexual pedophilia. Folks, all of the assault on our babies is criminal and worthy of death. And if you listen to me, you will know I constantly speak on the assault, the sexual assault on our children, be it homosexual or heterosexual, that don't matter to me. The assault mm-hmm. on our children is epidemic, and I have been raging against that for years because it is a criminal league. The black community is criminal in keeping this epidemic silent.
9: I, I agree 100%. And
15: like you said, it's multifaceted, so let's fight this war multifaceted. I'm with you on the bat right.
1: Brother, thank, thank you for your you contribution, man. Thank you. Let's go to Zachary, Louisiana. Caller, what's your name? Where you calling from?
6: Brother Louis Ali, alaikum.
1: How are you, brother?
6: Wa, wa salam,
12: Good. brother
6: Louis. Really great dialogue. We we need to have more of them. In light of what you said about uh, militant anti-sexuality and homosexuality and pedophilia do you think that we should work now hard to try to form a united black front to start putting on the agenda a plebiscite because we find white people disagreeable to live with in peace mm-hmm. and we don't seem to be able to rehabilitate our people under their brutal authority? and correct. We want to save our people. But when you have people who come down south to Tennessee, and I'm speaking specifically of the Highlander group in Tennessee, and you create a new black Big Six with Michael Eric Dyson saying that gay is the new black. Uh, at the time, Al Sharpton. Jesse Jackson said during uh, with the thing with Mike Brown that we need more LGBTQ people on the street in Ferguson. And they completely took over that march. At some point, like in a vampire movie, shouldn't we begin to purge ourselves of those individuals who, just like the crackhead who wants to keep on selling crack, who are killing and telling our people that it's cool to be a pedophile and rape children and rape women and ravish our community to where... It's just nothing but filth and degeneracy. Last but not least, how can we bridge the gap, and it is a real serious gap, between people who write great books and are in the academic world but are separated from people like me and others who are very skilled tradesmen who build buildings? Because I believe if we could really unite with mutual respect, then we could show our people just how feasible separation is. So if you could just speak to some of that, Dr. Wesley, I, I'd appreciate it. Thank you for your yes, uh, showing the courage to put up the uh, academic collateral so that we'll have even more information to point to when we point this out to our people. Thank you. Yeah, so okay. like,
7: thank, brother thank, Lewis? Thank you, Brother Lewis. Well, like Mr.
1: Brother Lewis? Yes, sir. Uh, You the same, Brother Lewis, from the Black Coffee Political Party? Yes, sir. High
7: Black Coffee Party.
1: I'll be be looking for you to come back on. Yes,
6: sir.
1: (laughs) Reach out to me, man. Yes, sir. I'll call you. And thank you for your call and your contribution, man. Yes, sir. I'm like
6: Yes, sir.
1: No,
8: wonderful. First, to your point, Brother Lewis, of this united black front. As a student of the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan, I understand that nothing truly of substance, nothing lasting, can really be affected by us and for us except we find a way to unite. This is why the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that Our unity is more powerful than an atomic bomb. The problem of unity, especially today, Brother Lewis, we, the black men who have assumed leadership, most of the leadership in our movements, we are at fault. We resist unifying because of our ego. We set And so unity can happen, unity must happen, but it will only happen when we black men in these leadership positions are able to recognize black guy protocol, able to subordinate our egos, join forces and recognize that our contributions are not in in competition with each other. Our contributions complement each other. So Brother Wesley, Brother Lewis, Brother Irritated Jimmy, Brother Baba Baruti, Brother Malik zulu Shabat, and others. Except we mature in this work to the point that we cannot just talk unity, but do unity. And by doing unity, that means I can't clap at you, Brother Lewis, because I may have a disagreement with how you move. I may very well have a disagreement with how you move, but so what? You may very well have a disagreement with how I do my work, but so what? Your work is for you to do the way you do it. My work is for me to do the way I do it in the two ways, complement each other, not compete with each other. So if all of us in leadership can recognize that, then we can come together as a united front and affect change. So you mentioned the, the the gap between those who write books. I don't know if that's a, an allusion to me and those who build institutions, suggesting that those of us who write books are not also in the process of building institutions. I would not make that presumption. I would do due diligence um, before we speculate on that. But that's not the point. The point is even if or even for that class of academics that are locked or trapped in their academics and don't utilize their academics to build something tangible in the real world. If your work is in building something tangible in the real world, well, you need the knowledge that the academics provide, or you're going to build something slender so you and I need to see the value of the other and don't assume that what you have is of more value than the other. What you have complements the other and what the other has complements what you have. So we're back to how do we form a united front? To think that my contribution is more value than your contribution. Is the problem. Now, the final point. What to do with those who are
7: insisting
8: in their deviant way? Should we, I guess you're asking, unite with them, or should we purge them, I believe, was the language you used? As a member of the nation of Islam, as a student and follower of the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan. We who are with him have a single objective. The objective is not building institutions, though institution building may and often is a consequence of our work, but that's not the objective. Our objective is not writing books though writing books may serve our objective, our objective, Brother Lewis, as I'm sure you know, is to redeem our people, redeem our people from all of what this enemy has sunk us into, all of it. As redeemers, we approach our people with the opportunity, with the process of redemption, and no one of our people is excluded from the opportunity of redemption. Now, once the opportunity for redemption has been offered and taken into account that redemption is a long process that stops and starts, stops and starts, and so all of us have to be patient with the process of redemption. Taking that into account, there are, Brother Lewis, certain things that we have little tolerance for. The folks do not get a pass with no abuse of our children, heterosexual abuse or homosexual abuse, i.e. pedophilia in any of this God, is tolerable there are consequences for that. The result of abusing our children is not redemption, it's something else. But we come to our people as redeemers, not as condemners first. If the weed smoker after being offered the opportunity and a path to redemption, to regain his lost Manhood and masculinity. If the womanizer, the hypersexual, the victim or the slave to his sex drive, you know that womanizer, if after coming to this teacher, insists on rejecting the opportunity for redemption, insists on abusing The sisters would have consequences to that. In other words, everybody, Brother Lewis, because we are redeemers, everybody, regardless of the area of the white man's mud that they or we find ourselves in, all of us are given the opportunity for redemption. But if any of us insist on returning to our own vomit, well then you gotta do that elsewhere. And certain vomit that one might be inclined to return to, there are much stiffer consequences. Such as such as the abuse of our children and our women.
1: I would I would agree. Let's uh let's try to grab one more before we wind things down. Eight oh three area code. What's your name where you calling from? Eight oh three? 803, are you there? Let's go to 225 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Okay. Brother Wesley, listen, I fully enjoyed you being on, sharing with us this information today. The door is Never. always open for you. If you want to share more things you. with with the family, but before you leave this evening, I want you to give out all the information you can, where the people can uh, can access uh, some of your literature, uh, how they can yes, reach sir. you. Anything you want to tell us? Go ahead. The floor is yours.
8: I, I appreciate, it. brother Ellie and brother Richard. Um, this was there is no better way I could have spent this last what two two hours. Yeah, and I'm, and gl- I'm hours. glad
1: you stayed with us. We stayed a little time no ourselves, but I'm glad you was able to hang in there. There's
8: no better way I could have spent this time. I really enjoy the discussion, all of it, the callers, all of them. Um, I think it's very valuable, the questions. Um, I'm honored that you would invite your brother um, to your show and to your airways and, and to your audience. Um, I support your work. I thank Allah, the Most Highly Ancestors, for the work you all are doing. I can be reached that, and the book can be purchased at www dot info. That's drwesleymohammed dot info. I'm on Facebook Wesley Mohammed, Instagram and Twitter, Wesley Mohammed. Um I look forward to to coming back and continuing this and other dialogues of Brother Elliot and Brother Richard.
7: I definitely enjoyed it also. Mm.
1: I want to thank you for being with us, brother, and we'll talk soon.
7: Yes, sir. alaikum. Well,
1: we'll be right back.
4: To the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at Black Talk
2: Radio Network. All Insurance Incorporated, an African American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over twenty years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over fifteen major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services if when you call in for a free quote. Call this number two 215- That number is 215-885-2444, 215-885-2444, All Insurance Incorporated.
14: Hey, did y'all see the stuff I posted on my wall?
5: Nah, it didn't even show
15: up in my news feed.
4: Man, I'm done with social media. All the injustice and brutality going around, and it's like they're trying to suppress our voice. We're trying to get the message out there, and you can't even share empowerment and what's going on around the country either. Mm Mm-mm.
16: Nah, don't be dumb with social media, though. It's a tool, and there is a place where we have a voice. It's a Let's Buy Black 365 social network. You do anything you would on any other social network. Post pictures, videos, status updates, share resources and community news. But on Let's Buy Black 365, it's a platform for us and by us to tell our messages. Whoa, that's like a digital underground railroad. What's the name of that site again? It's Let's Buy Black 365.com.
14: Yeah, I heard about that. It's all about networking, and you get points, right?
16: Yeah, the more you network, post and share the more points you get plus you get points for posting pictures sharing information attending community events and inviting others to network with you on the app wow that's all i need to know i'm gonna go download that app right now now better yet let me invite you so i can get some points it's all about empowerment and solutions y'all
4: yeah that's what's up i'm all in
16: let's do it let's share our stories
4: let's Let's buy buy black Black
16: 365.com
1: What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost. If you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.IamOneOfTheMillion.com. That's www.IamOneOfTheMillion.com.
0: Black folks with nothing better to do were up in arms for a whole day about Kellyanne Conway's feet buried in the Oval Office sofa messing with her phone while the presidents and chancellors of historically black colleges and universities crowded around Donald Trump's desk. Some others have written about Betsy DeVos's note on HBCUs, which revealed her stunning and self-serving ignorance of their history and origin. But pointing out how disrespectful or stupid key members of the Trump administration are is partisan BS that will not save a single college education, let alone remedy the desperate situation of our historically black colleges and universities. Right now, the heads of HBCUs have a historic opportunity to save their institutions by stirring up a movement from below for free tuition for HBCUs and for all public colleges and universities, for loan forgiveness, for students at public universities, for interest reductions for all students, and for getting the federal government out of the student loan business. Free college tuition is not an impractical pie in the sky. Germany does it, France does it, Norway and a dozen other countries do it. State universities in California and Louisiana did it for decades in the 20th century. Free tuition was a cornerstone demand of Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign that earned him millions of votes. Free college education is what modern human societies do when they recognize that education is a public good, not a private privilege. A nominal tax on Wall Street and the reallocation of federal funds that now go to student lenders would easily pay for free tuition. HBCUs were founded with white philanthropy beginning in the 1860s because the newly freed black population urgently needed teachers and other professionals and because white colleges rarely admitted black students. Black student access was still being litigated in the United States nine decades later, and to this day, HBCUs produce a far greater percentage of highly competent black college grads than other institutions. But the leaders of our historically black colleges and universities have largely failed to envision ways to fund their institutions outside of white philanthropy and the occasional special government funding initiative directed exclusively at them. The United Negro College Fund has even accepted Koch brothers' money with many nasty strings attached. It's time to stop digging that hole deeper. There are historic currents in motion right now. Millions of college grads, not just black ones, are crushed by unpayable student debt and by lack of opportunities, and they have proven receptive to the idea of free college tuition. It's a movement waiting to be galvanized. The Trump administration won't much like it any more than Hillary Clinton did. But free college tuition for HBCUs and public institutions is something that can be accomplished in a decade or so of agitation and struggle. If our HBCU college presidents are truly leaders and not followers, this is a current they can tap into. Of course, the common wisdom is that nobody is more conservative than a black college president. It's a stereotype some of them will have to violate to save their institutions and to save the very idea of education as a public good, not a private privilege. If the first black president did not save HBCUs, nothing Donald Trump is willing to give out will do the trick either. It's time to really bargain, to demand what is not being offered. And if our historically black college presidents lack the political vision, and the intestinal fortitude to do it, maybe we need to start this movement without them. For Black Agenda Radio, I'm Bruce Dixon. Find us on the web at www.blackagendareport.com.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, and I want to thank our guest this evening, author, professor, and scholar, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, The Feminization of the black male and assault on black manhood was the topic of discussion this evening. Brother Richard, interesting discussion, lively for the listeners, a lot of participation and a lot of divergent opinions, not based on uh, uh, some of the findings of uh, Dr. Wesley, but uh, some of the people that have brought information out. You know, I'm glad that he was on to share with us. We need all the information that we can information is valuable uh you know just like we said at the beginning of the program our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge and that's what we try to do on time for awakening we bring our people here that's involved in the struggle from all stratas to divulge information and strategies to move our people forward but i'm glad he was on with us tonight to share with us Damn here. Damn here. you know just one thing and just private conversations between myself and you brother richard um, some of the same problems uh, that are faced in organizing—you see some of the same things kind of bobbing yeah. its its uh, head back and forth. If you know what I mean?
7: Oh yes, it, 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 which is the major, which is one of the major challenges because we can have all the—I mean—Brother um, Wesley brings that brought that chemical perspective, but when you touched it. It touched, it touched all the areas of, our, of what, it, what, it, what we take as needed as a people. But our psychological challenge that assists or really makes us not capable to organize to address the problems from a resolution perspective, that challenge um, is one that we're we're working through, and, and with Time for Awakening, being able to have the communication probably is the most healthy way to be able to address it, but it has to be addressed. We now know the facts. The facts is not the issue. It's the will to let us be able to, he kept using that word being able to complement each other, mm-hmm. is what is the challenge that we have to work through, and, and we will work through
1: most of the I have faith that we we're going to get this job done. It's always a bumpy road to uh to success a lot of times, but uh I have full faith in all of our people that we're going to get this job done. you know I'm kind of glad that he brought it to the conversation uh Dr Tyrone Hayes because he was on with us. It might have been about a year ago uh the, the microbiologist from the University of California at berkeley that uh that uh, was hired by monsanto i think it was monsanto uh years ago maybe 10 years ago because uh they were sued by a couple of cities about the use of atrazine and he discovered that that chemical being sprayed on gmo foods was causing uh disruption in the sexuality of frogs and rats and he had no problem asserting that it was causing a sexual disruption in human beings But a lot of that uh, GMO and pesticide-laden chemicals, food, was being pumped into black communities, similar to what uh, Dr. Wesley was talking about. And the use of uh, what he talked about tonight, paraquat, being sprayed on uh, 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 marijuana. Mm -hmm. And we know that we don't control the flow of drugs in our community. But the, the use of that paraquat is causing disruptions in sexuality. It binds to the melanin in our skin and causes disruptions in sexuality in both males and females. So the facts are out there. I mean, you know, and we've seen, we don't have to, you know, a lot of our people, just like you said, it's the elephant in the room. People have been scratching their heads, looking around at some of our young people and older people, and seeing this open, pervasive change in sexual behavior, and wondering what the hell is going on. Well, we can see now. That it's not just a natural phenomenon, but it's unnatural things being involved in this. It's obvious. So, you know.
7: And and we're all affected one way or another. Exactly. And that's why we need the information. Because um, for any of us to think that we're above it, when it's really, you know, when we can look at the food, water, the, the imagery, the recreation, all the different, and, and as the brother brought on about the stuff that's being sprayed in from the air, you know, Um we, we, we have to be, only because we are aware of it and can be able to stress that we are being affected by it is the way we can be able to resolve it. Other than that, if you think that you, they got it and I don't, you've already created what we had just said earlier, like the, um not being able to be complimentary because now you're you already didn't put yourself above the rest of us. This is a African people's problem that only African people in the multitude of variations that we are can solve. And and there's no mystery of, of how to do that. It's just information that we're needed to do it. I
1: want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday. At 8, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.